Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 222 of the world's greatest Cincinnati Reds podcast. Joining me again this week, I'm your host Chad Dotson by the way, if you didn't recognize my dulcet tones. With me again this week, your friend and mine. Jason Linden. How are you, Jason? How could anyone not recognize your dulcet tones, Chadwick? Are you suggesting that I have a dis- uh, a distinct voice? A it's, unique voice? It's a unique tem- timbre. <laughs> it's not unique where I come from. Well. Boy, that sounds like a country song. <laughs> I'm going to send that to Nashville and make a million dollars. Chad's going to have a CD coming out to compliment his book here soon. Oh, it's going to be great. Book! Because no, I just said CD. Oh, man, that's your age. Come on, Jason, <laughs> I'm going to have a SoundCloud track. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the kids are listening to. Uh, but here's what I do know. Uh, you just mentioned book. Can I just say, there's this really good book out now. It's called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds. And I wrote this book with uh, Chris Garber, and it would really make me happy if you all went to buy that book because uh, we need to sell copies. Uh, had a really good start to the the season when we started selling copies, and I'm a bit, we've been very pleased with the with the response and everything. But uh, you know, it's uh, we're sort of trying to make another push here because want to make sure that we stay up near the top of the Triumph, the, our book publisher Triumph, up near the top of their uh, sales list so keep pumping them out man go go to amazon go to barnes and noble go joseph beth go wherever you go to get your books go get our book the big 50 all right now that we just wasted a minute talking about my book jason i'm sorry uh, they need to go buy your book too yes my book's been out for much longer though so it makes more sense to talk about waste time talking about your book okay well at least mention the title the title is of my book or yes of your, yes, of your we already mentioned mine like five times yeah, I thought you were trying to get a little more. Like, <laughs> no, right? What's up with this guy? He's trying to get me to pump his book. My book is called "When the Sparrow Sings," and it is a novel that involves baseball, and it exists in the world. And it's outstanding. And you hesitated when I asked you to say the title, and I thought he doesn't remember the title of his book. Oh, <laughs> I thought you might, uh, Jason. Let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds, shall we? Let's shall. Oh, man, the Cincinnati Reds. You know, for a team that has been fairly lousy recently, it seems like there's no shortage of topics to discuss every single week, which I guess is why we keep doing this podcast. This week, let's just do a quick news segment here. Big news this week, obviously, was the Reds announced some changes in their baseball operations department. And our buddy Doug Gray, a friend of the podcast, been a co-host here many, many times. need to get him back on, actually. Uh, he sort of broke some of this news. Before anyone else had it. So really proud of Doug for that. Uh, if you don't check out RedsMinorLeagues.com every day, I don't know what you're doing with your life. But uh, Chris Buckley and Jeff Grope, uh, two uh, the minor league guys basically, have been reassigned. And uh, it's really sort of odd to me, but Chris Buckley was the vice president of amateur scouting, and he's now the club's vice president of player personnel, whatever that is. Uh, C- uh, Jeff Grope was the senior director of player development, and he's now the senior director of player personnel so sort of changing titles the reds announced them as promotions buckley of course has been the draft guru really in a lot of ways and the reds have had some decent drafts under yeah. his, his direction and uh, so you know uh, you start to wonder when you combine this with the the strange promotion of dick williams 
to uh, president of baseball operations and uh, installing Nick Crawl as general manager earlier this year at a really odd time. This looked like something pretty odd, but you know, the more you think about it, it doesn't look like a situation of failing up in the Reds organization where they're just reassigning these guys to get them out of their roles. Because you know, Buckley has a pretty good uh, reputation and Grope, of course. I mean, the Reds' mounting system is not bad. No, no, it's one of the better systems in baseball. Yeah. So, any thoughts? I mean, you know, is this something? Uh, I don't know. I not- mean, that's what it comes down to. I have no idea what's going on here. And they've named no replacements. It's just sort of odd timing here at the end of the year. I don't understand. The only thing I can think of is that they have some guys who sometime in the reasonable future they plan to bring into the organization in particular roles, and they're basically trying to, like, open up positions for them, I guess, while also holding on to other guys that they still value. So, you know, uh, that kind of thing is, is, is the, the only thing I can think of that I don't know if I've seen anybody else mention it. Yeah, could be. It, just, it, it seems odd to me. I have no. I'm not going to speculate, and I don't think there's any nefarious plot here or some sort of intrigue. But it's just a little. Again, the Reds are making some really fairly serious moves in the front office in the middle of a season. You just don't see that very often. So I don't know. Chalk it up to uh, you know who knows. I guess. Um, the Reds on the field uh, looked like they were playing a little bit better over the weekend, and then they just. Uh, and they played not better. Jason, are you are you like me? Are you having trouble sleeping because once again for the fourth consecutive year the Reds lost the Ohio Cup to the Cleveland Indians? I am not. Jason, it's the Ohio Cup. I'm it's true, it is. It's a thing that it is. <laughs> You're acting like that's not important. Wait, oh, am I supposed to pretend it's <laughs> <laughs> the Ohio Cup? I love how uh, you know, you see that in the, the news stories and things. The Ohio Cup and uh, you know, who was uh, Ramirez for the Indians was the MVP of the Ohio Cup. Oh, get out of here. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> right. I mean, I want the Reds to win the Ohio Cup since it means that they have to win games on the I, field. Right. I want the Reds to win all the games. But the Ohio <laughs> Cup, oh, I could not care less. I could not either. I mean, you know, uh, maybe next year they can win the California Cup. Just go out there and sweep the West. Maybe next year they can win the National League Central Division Cup. Get out of here, man. You're talking Cup about crazy game. things. I'm uh, talking about the Ohio Cup. <laughs> are you sure you're not talking about practice? <laughs> we Are we talking about the Ohio Cup? <laughs> you know, it just I love pretending like the Ohio Cup is, is a real thing. Our buddy Mo Egger uh, tweeted out every night, I think, of the, of the Indian series. You know, oh, a beautiful night at uh, the lovely Great American Ballpark in this battle for the Ohio Cup. And just it's dripping with uh, sarcasm. I love it. The Ohio Cup. But, but the, the fact of the matter is the rest played pretty poorly in that Indian series. And it wasn't fun to watch, was it? No. The Indians are better than the Reds. You know, I noticed that. Also, like, half of the Reds have hurt and the other half are hurt and the other half can't pitch. Yeah, you know, um, gosh, it it really hurts me because Dick Williams got some uh, criticism for that winning culture comment. And I think that if you read it one way, it's pretty ludicrous. We talked about that song. But um, the Reds really were playing well for a long time. And the reason they were playing well is because they're not really a bad team. It wasn't a fluke that they did that for 75 games. Yeah. Uh, And it's just I hate to see that it's. They're hurt now, big time. Jesse Winker's out. Scott Shelber's out. Votto is just limping around, thanks to uh, Ryan Madsen, uh, who intentionally hit him, and he is now dead to me. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I hate that people are going to 
get back to saying, ah, oh, this Reds team is garbage again. When they're, they're not. They're really not. What they are is thin. Yeah. And I think you play, you know, you can pin that's that's valid criticism of the front office. But I think it's going to overshadow what really is a team that uh, had turned the corner a little bit. Am I? Yeah. Am I overstating that? You're you're not. And also, I mean, it seems as though uh, Jeanette's injury is really starting to get to him now. It does. It does. That's another one that I didn't mention. But he's been injured for a while, and uh, um, either that or he's well. No, never mind. <laughs> don't even go there. Scooter Jeanette is a hero. I will not mention regression or age or no. Mm-mm. Jason, need or, I remind you? I will not miss an, mention any of those things. Okay. Well, don't mention them. Okay. <laughs> really, need I remind you that he's chapter 39 in the big 50, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds. He hit four home runs in one game. It's, it's true. So did noted Hall of Famer Sean Green. Oh, wait. Sean Green is also a hero to children in the Cincinnati area, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay, that's about all that's going on with the Reds right now. They're not playing well. It's less because they're bad as as it is because they're just hurt. And when they're hurt, they are bad. Uh, yeah, but- I mean, really, like, Shevler, Winker, Votto, Jeanette, that's half your lineup. I mean, granted, Votto and Jeanette are generally playing, but they're not playing. Yeah. You know? I mean, Votto, actually, I think he's still he's, hitting. Okay. He's producing, but he's just not there. Yeah. But he's 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 limping around pretty pretty hard right now. Yeah. Um. So uh, before we we have a I should have mentioned this off the top because we have a, a great interview featured in tonight's podcast. We're going to play later. Uh, Jason, you talked with uh, Jeff Facero, pitching coach down there at AAA Louisville and a longtime major leaguer, um, and a pretty good pitcher in the major leagues. But uh, he had some fascinating comments about uh, some of the young Reds pitchers and. Uh, I'll, I'll let you get into that in just a moment, actually. I just want to tell everyone, you're going to want to stick around to listen to this interview because it's really, really good. Jason actually produced some good content for the podcast for once. I'm sorry. What, Chad? <laughs> uh, you no, need, need to be a solo host now? Uh, never mind. Never mind. I'm kidding. Okay. That's what uh, I'm talking about. <laughs> Quickly, just and we're going to run through a couple, few of these really quickly, so let's not go too uh, deep in any of these, but I did send out a, a request on Twitter for some, if you got some questions, uh, you can follow us at Red Leg Nation and uh, at Red Leg Radio. We have actually a specific uh, podcast Twitter handle. Um, so I asked, you know, hey, what, what do you want us to talk about tonight? And Mary Beth Ellis, uh, who, uh, at Blonde Champagne, which uh, is appropriate, uh, one of the writers at Red Leg Nation that does a weekly uh, column, has done a, a column for the last two years at Red Leg Nation and just an incredible writer. Here's, here's her question. All caps, Jason. All caps. Kings Island is bringing back the old-fashioned cars. How is this even a question? I have never been to Kings Island. Oh, my gosh. All right. This podcast is over. i got to call Doug Gray or Bill Lack or somebody. Bye. Good night, buddy. <laughs> Good night. Jason. What? You've never been to Kings Island? I've never been to Kings Island. Let me guess. You've never been to Skyline either. Uh, I have consumed Skyline. <laughs> oh, but you've never been to a Skyline. I think restaurant. I've been in Skyline. Yeah, I've been to Skyline. All right. Well, we're going to give you a reprieve. I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> yes, you are. That's true. Actually, I'm from Indiana, but I live in Kentucky. Here's what I want to know. How come uh, you're from Kentucky, yet I'm the one with a ridiculous accent? 
You know, Chad? <laughs> some things will never some, be answered, yeah. Some, you know... <laughs> just, not, no, I can't say anything without yes. offending a very large demographic of people. I love so Kentucky. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I live very close to Kentucky. Yeah. I live, you know, like three miles from Kentucky. I'm Kentucky adjacent. Kentucky adjacent? Yes. So you live closer to Kentucky than I grew up. That's, this is true. This is true. Because I grew up about, I don't know, 30 miles from Kentucky. Yeah, but, you know, Indiana, that's a big hotbed of civilization. Well, yeah. (laughs) There's a reason I don't live in Indiana now. We have just lost all Kentucky and Indiana listeners. No, I like, like, no, I'm I'm representing (laughs) Kentucky well here. Uh, Chadwick, Ulysses, uh, (laughs) Quinones, Dotson. Where's Quinones? Okay, so here, here's, uh, we're just, this is the most, uh, uh, we, we talked before we started about all the, this big plan we had. We were really organized, and it's just gone off the rails, Jason and Linda. Uh, Jim Conley, at Reds BB Fan. Jim Conley asks, uh, has two things he wants us to talk about. Number one, signing Dallas Keuchel this winter. What do you think about that? Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, what yeah. do you think about that, Chad? Uh, yeah, sign me up. I mean, you know, uh, I'll take Dallas Keuchel, but I think the, the larger point is the Reds need to be in on guys like that. Actually, you know what? I, I do have a thing to say that relates to kind of Dallas Keuchel and, and the signing of pitchers and, and things in general. Um, I've noticed, and I bet when I mention it, you'll be like, oh, yes, this sounds familiar. Um, a particular kind of trend um, in sort of the, the, the Reds fandom Twitter verse. And it goes like this. All of the Reds pitchers stink. They need to get pitchers from somewhere else. Also, no one should ever, 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 ever give a contract of any significant length to a free agent pitcher. Because Homer Bailey. Because, yeah, um, because other examples they will right. give you. Sure. And you can't have your cake and eat it too, people. You got at some point you got to take a risk. If your prospects are not panning out, you got You're going to have to lay some money out for somebody. I think the Reds absolutely have enough pitchers in the organization to fill at least three spots in the in the rotation. Yeah. So we got to acquire two. Now, how do you acquire two? Free agency should be on the table. Yes. If there's someone that makes sense, it's time to start spending money. Um. So, you know, I don't know if it's Dallas Keuchel, but somebody. And But, you know, it's not just free agency. It's time to start letting loose of some of these uh, these prospects that have made this minor league uh, system so highly ranked. Uh, top six, I think, last I saw. And uh, let's, let's get some pitching in here. Yes, let's, shall we? This is the year, right, though? Uh, sort of going to, to Jim's question. This is the year. They've got to, they've got to make these moves in the offseason, or, man, I just don't know. I, I'm I'm getting close to giving up on this organization. Like, not that I'm going to stop watching baseball because, let's be honest, but I'm just kind of tired of the nonsense. Like, I'm just tired of it. Yeah, I just want to say, I started to say it a moment ago, and I said, no, I'm not really, but I started to say I'm, I give up. And I'm not really going to give up. You know, I'm going to watch the Reds. But what does it take for an organization to get two guys like you and I who podcast and write about the Reds constantly? To be just like, oh, I'm just, I'm over them. I mean, how do, how does it? And I, and I'm I am saying, if they don't go all in this off season on trying to improve this roster, 
like you and I said they should have done last year. If they don't this yeah. year, then I just don't see how – I don't see why I should give them any more of my attention. Uh, am I being too dramatic? Probably. I mean, I don't know. Maybe a little. It's just – it's irritating because there doesn't seem – I don't think the right people are making all the decisions. And actually, Chad, you wrote quite a good little column about that this week. I thank you. I appreciate that uh, that compliment. Uh, and I did write a column at, for Cincinnati Magazine called uh, the title that they laid on it was uh, "Is Ownership Meddling in Baseball Operations?" And then the uh, the subtitle was "Bob Castellini Can Best Lead the Reds Rebuild by Getting Out of the Way." Um, let me just run through basically what my thoughts were on that. Uh, that article and uh, try, try to synthesize it. Can I, can I, can I say what my favorite part of it is real quick? <laughs> oh, I know what your favorite part of it is. Yes, please do. Do you? I wonder. We'll see. Let's see if these match up. I really enjoy the part where you point out just how ridiculous it is that Bob Castellini goes into a room full of people he employs and says, I think we should do this. And then if no one disagrees with him, they do what he says they should do. <laughs> That's not, <laughs> That's not what I thought that you were going to say, because I think at some point there, oh yeah, I linked to one of your uh, pieces and said you, you made a did. Good, good argument. Um, yeah, let me let me find that part here. I got the, I got it pulled up. Um, <laughs> it was ridiculous. You know, uh, he he talked with uh, Bob Castellini, talked with Paul Doherty of the Inquirer back in April. And this is the <laughs> it's it's almost ludicrous. He said. Uh, he was really vehement that he didn't interfere with the baseball operations. So Doherty was like, do you feel you've been too involved? And, and he interrupted. He said, no, it's bull. We make decisions collectively. When we meet, we all give our opinions. I will come in and say, this is what I think we ought to do. If I don't get a lot of opposition, we make the decision based on what I say. And then he says, <laughs> I, literally his next sentence, I do not get overly involved in our operations. It's, 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 it is... <laughs> I have to laugh or I'd be crying. It's such a startling lack of self-awareness. It, it, it's insane. Um, I mean, this is a guy that needs to be coming into the room and listening to the people that he's hired and whose entire livelihood and training is based right. on making those decisions. But uh, what kills me about that that sentence is, yes, it's not it's, self, it's a complete lack of self-awareness, but that's his defense. That's his best defense to the charge of being too involved in baseball operations. Is, is basically to admit that he's too involved in baseball operations. It sounds like the textbook definition of meddling to me. Yeah. And that's straight from his mouth, you know. A big part of this uh, article was kind of, you know, construing some things that have been reported elsewhere. We had this a report this week from John uh, Heyman, and he's John Heyman. Um, but uh, he had this report that... paid is what he is. Yeah, you know, I mean, whatever. But... Uh, he said his report was word going around is that uh, Castellini's a big fan of interim manager Jim Riggleman, which should give him a good chance to keep the job. Um, you know, which is okay. First of all, if that's really the word going around, um, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that that's even a, that the fact that he likes the guy is even a that's proof of meddling if it's true, and we don't know it's true. But you put that along with uh, his. Uh, I hope Billy Hamilton is with us forever. And uh, that's been reported several times that he's not wavered on that. And in fact, Jerry Krasnick of ESPN said that, uh, or excuse me, Ken Rosen, Rosenthal of The Athletic said that uh, Castellini uh, was an actual roadblock to trading Hamilton at the trade deadline this year. It, and we all know I love Hamilton. but right. And so I, I understand why Castellini likes him. But even I can put it aside. 
Uh, and then of course we had Scooter Jeanette saying that uh, Castellini wants me here for a while. You know, is we don't know from the outside, but it looks an awful lot like we have an owner that is meddling entirely too much in baseball operations. Is that fair? I think that that is more than fair. And, and don't you think all these curious decisions over the last year or two that this front office make, if you just say, well, Castellini's stuck his nose in there, it sort of explains a lot of it, doesn't it? It really does. It it really does. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've talked to Dick Williams. We've talked to uh, Nick Crawl, the GM. Um, these guys aren't idiots. Yeah. I mean, they're... They're not. Yeah. And I mean, you know, to me, what's interesting is that the most annoying aspects are the kinds of things that you would expect an owner to meddle in. Like the draft I've been really happy with. Right. Yeah. That because presumably Castellini doesn't know that much about high school or college players and doesn't care. Right. Just get the players you all think are best. It's funny. That's a good point. That's an excellent point. But he's watched these players pitch, you know, he probably watched Gallardo be good against the Reds a few times. Mm-hmm. Oh, that guy can pitch. Let's pick him up. Yeah. I, just it, it, uh, a lot of curious things are explained by that. And they, well, do we know? No, but I just think that there's an abundance of evidence that Bob Castellini is just sticking his nose in too much. And, uh, and the, to me, the biggest evidence is from the horse's mouth. Yes. <laughs> Isn't, hey. isn't, isn't an abundance of something like one of those weirds for an animal group? <laughs> I think so. Yes. Hey, I walk into a room. You know, I'm the uh, I'm the uh, you know big rich owner of this uh, Major League Baseball team, and I, I walk into the room where all these people here who you know I sign their paychecks, and you know, and I tell them what I want to do. But listen, if they come back at me and object, okay, that's fine. We don't have to do it, but usually they agree with me, and so you know, we'll just do what I say. I'm not meddling. I'm just, you know, throwing yes. it out there. I'm just telling you what we're going to do. <laughs> it's insane. Like, I think everybody knows I'm a teacher. And if I walk into my classroom and I say, and let me assure you that my students are, are certainly not paid to listen to me. <laughs> Nevertheless, if I walk into the classroom and I say, this is really what I think we should do. But I will open the floor up to comments <laughs> and disagreement there's still a real good chance we're going to end up doing what I said I thought we should do. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. That's the way it works. And uh, I'm not going to talk about my day job very much, but to say that, yeah, come on. you know, yeah. If I walk in and say this is the way it's going to go, then that, <laughs> that, that's the way it's going to go. <laughs> you, know? you, you may be the one person for whom that is more true than it is for Bob Castellini. That actually is probably true, yes. Uh, yeah. But I don't want to get too much into that. I try not to talk about my day job here, but... Uh, uh, um, Ed is actually um, the governor of <clears throat> Indiana, my favorite I, state, Indiana. We're trying to keep you concealed a little bit there, but you you blood it out now. <laughs> okay, uh, I am not the governor of any state yet. Of any state, notice he said. Ah, but not a commonwealth. He didn't say commonwealth. He didn't say anything about city states or principalities. Oh wow! There are options out there, people. You're really trying to. Uh, get me found out here. I don't That's right. That. So uh, the long and the short of this thing with Castellini is it's his team. I mean, if he wants to stick his nose in it, he can do whatever he wants. 
I mean, you know, it just kills me that he doesn't see a problem and, and uh, doesn't understand. The, the way you put it was just, you know, about a lack of self-awareness is, is just, it's startling. Yep. So, and, and what worries me is, and, and I'll concede that I like Dick Williams and Nick Kroll personally. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a pretty good uh, history here of that not affecting my judgment. I hope so. I've criticized uh, the Reds sort of incessantly most of this year and, and criticized those guys personally. I'm not sure that Williams is returning my calls these days. But um, I worry that those guys who have, I think, are, are open-minded and I think are more talented at their jobs than most people think, I worry that their job performance is ultimately going to be defined by a series of decisions in which they really didn't have the final say, but yet they're going to be the ones who are uh, ultimately held responsible. Uh, you know, um, I, I hate for them to be not be allowed to do their job and then end up getting fired someday because of decisions that were made that weren't their fault. Uh, did I describe that well? I don't know if I'm not sure I did. Yeah, no, I think so. I think, you know, yes. Yes. So what you're saying is the Reds need to uh, go find Yavani Gallardo and bring him back, right? If you spell Gallardo uh, K-E-U-C-H-E-L, I think I'm on board. What about I don't know how you spell it, but what about if you pronounce it Luis Alberto Bonilla? <laughs> oh, Chad, Bill, Bill Lack, my buddy Bill Lack, last week. There he goes again. <laughs> That's what, when I when I say that, uh, I got I, I, I'm still you giggling. Leading the children now, Chad. <laughs> I'm still giggling about Bill Lack saying last week. There he goes again. Um, that's my Bill Lack impression. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Castellini. My, uh, no, I don't want to leave the subject just yet because I do want to say one thing. A lot of people have criticized Castellini in sort of the the, the talk radio crowd and the uh, the Twitter crowd, and, and usually the uh, the criticisms are about money. And you know there are some valid criticisms, I guess, but also it seems to me like Castellini, and I'm probably judging him maybe on a curve because I remember the Carl Lindner era, who was a wonderful Cincinnatian and a great philanthropist and refused to spend money on the Reds. And Castellini, you know, when the Reds were good from 2010 and on, he he spent money on the team. He signed some guys to long-term contracts uh, that no Reds owner had done uh, ever, really. Uh, you know, Votto, obviously, some ill-advised, Brandon Phillips. But um, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I gotta say, I always have to take issue with this. The no, you're right. Contract was not ill-advised. It was fair market value unevenly distributed, which is what you should always count yeah. on with those contracts. You're right, and I think that's uh, – I think the end of the contract left such a bad taste in my mouth that I think you're absolutely right that they ended up getting uh, fair value. Just like for Votto, who um, they're, they're getting actually – we thought that's a ridiculous contract, and they're going to end up coming out so far ahead on that contract in terms of yeah. fair market value. It's ridiculous. So, But, uh, okay, Homer Bailey, how about that one? We can agree. Yeah. Maybe it was not, I don't think it was a terrible decision at the time. It hasn't worked out, but it, but he's been willing to spend some money, and I think I think he's been spending money on uh, the minor league organization, the front, the uh, infrastructure. He's been spending money on international scouting. Uh, so I I don't think that's a necessarily a valid criticism. Circling back to what we said before, though, if he doesn't spend it this off season, um, you know, I'm going to have a, an issue. But do you think that uh, the criticisms that we get, you know, and we always hear it, he'd rather have a good bobblehead night than uh, than get a good player in here. 
Do you think that's a valid criticism of the Castellini regime? No. Um, I don't. I mean, he's not spending like the Yankees. No, I don't need him to spend like the Yankees either. I need him to sign a pitcher. He signs a pitcher. I'm not going to complain about the money. That man. Yes. If he signs a real pitcher. I mean pitcher. a real pitcher. I don't right. mean like. Pete Shurick. Right. I shouldn't even say that because Pete Shurick ended up having a good season for the Reds. But yeah. Uh, if, you knew, if you remember him. But yeah, not uh, you know not some you know guy that had some success six years ago. Right. You know? And maybe we'll catch lightning in a bottle. No, 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 no. None of the Someone Jim, Jim Bowden stuff. Right. Someone yeah. who was good in 2018. And before. Yeah. If they don't do that this offseason. Uh, but anyway, uh, there are criticisms of Castellini spending money. I don't think is, is, a, is a good one at this point. Um, but I think that sports history is just riddled with owners who took too active a role in this, this front office decision making. So um, he's got to just get, he shouldn't even. I know why he wants to be in that room. And if I'm the owner of the team, I'd be in the room. He really, yeah. he really needs to stay out of the room. He really needs to stay out of the room. If it's a decision that requires him signing off on making a big expenditure, okay, bring him in. Yeah. But the day-to-day baseball decisions, he does not need to be in the room. He's a better owner than Carl Lindner, though. Maybe. I mean, low bars to clear. <laughs> it's a really low bar. Um, and I've defended them until I went back and looked. You remember earlier this year we talked about uh, those promises they made. Yes. When they took over the club, the owners. Yeah, they've uh, they've stepped in a hole. They have, and it's time to step out of it. It's time to step out of it. And, and the fact is, we saw for an extended period this year, this team has, has like you and I have been saying, they have potential. They, they got, have potential, they have the talent, they just have to utilize it correctly. And they have to go out, and it's time to fill the holes Yeah, correctly. That's what this offseason should be. Let's fill these holes. And the two biggest holes are, get me two pitchers in here. Yep. Um, all right, so uh, let me just run through and see if we've got uh, – where are we on time? Because I do want to talk about Robert Stevenson. Um, oh, we're getting close. Let's look at another one or two of these uh, Twitter questions quickly. Um, all right. Let's see. Uh, oh, here, here's one. Philip Borden, and I can't tell you his Twitter handle because it's a bunch of letters and numbers that are just seemingly random. But uh, how do you remember that, Philip? Uh, talk about how current leadership is blowing 2019 – by trying to win every meaningless game between now and the end of the season. And uh, I, I, I presume this is talking about, you know, why is Dilson Herrera not playing? Why is Philip Irvin not playing every day? Why is Dilson Herrera not playing? Why is Philip Irvin not playing? Why is, why is uh, Harvey still starting for the Reds? Yeah. And maybe even why is Homer still starting for the Reds? Uh-huh. So that's, Homer is a more complicated question, I think, because we've seen some flashes from him. And because they have him under contract for next year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I Rizzle ball, baby. Yep, something. I, you know, I, I, it's one of those things where I am exactly as flummoxed as everybody else. It is a thing that is happening, and it bugs me, and I, beyond that, I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't either. It's just, I mean, I, I wanted them to be able to make a run to not get 90 losses, which they're probably going to do now for the fourth consecutive season. Um. And I thought that was a I mean, that was definitely in play, if you didn't have all these injuries. At this point, they've had the injuries. Why is you know why is Preston Tucker playing? I don't, I don't have any problem with Preston Tucker. Barely know the guy. Saw him play when I went to Atlanta earlier this year against uh, the Nationals. And he played had a, had a good game when I was there for the Braves. 
But why is he playing over? I would put Dilson Herrera in the outfield every single day if you're not going to put him in the infield. Yeah. Spot him at second base, spot him at third base, but then put him in the outfield. Let's see this kid play. He's out of options. Yeah. Let him hit. Let's see what he can do. And, and, and tell us, Jason, because you've seen Dilson more than just about anybody that's listening to this podcast. He's going to hit, right? He's going to hit. And, uh, he's going to hit. His arm will not make anybody happy unless he's playing second base, but he's going to hit. There's value in a guy like that. Why aren't we finding out if he can hit on the major league level? I don't know. I really don't. I think that Dilson, I would not be surprised at all if Dilson Herrera made an all-star team or two, and that's not hyperbole. He was a highly talented prospect for a reason. He hurt his shoulder, but he is still very young. Um, he's, I think, the second youngest position player on the roster. Right. Well, and the only one younger is Jose Peraza. Yeah. Well, he came up at age 21, right? I think at the, to the big leagues. Yeah, 20 maybe even. Yeah, I mean, he, those are those are guys that have talent that get up that early. Yeah. That's that, that's a big reason why you've advocated for not giving up on Peraza. And it's, um, I, I always say Peraza, and people jump on me. Peraza, 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 Peraza. There's no Alberto. T. There's no T, Virginia boy. Peraza. Oh, Chad. Oh no, we found a new one. Okay. Anyway, uh, you're right, Dilson. I don't get it. Giving him, you know, two at bats a week. Why? I don't know. <laughs> We're trying to learn what we got for 2009. I know why. Actually, I know exactly why he's not playing. I know why Philip Irvin is not playing. Uh, even though Philip Irvin, Irvin has hit crazy good, and he's, this is a guy that's a former top uh, draft pick, and you know, I'm not extremely high on Irvin. I don't think Irvin's a starter on the big league level long-term. I really don't. But no. why aren't we finding that out? I don't know. Well, I, you just said you did, so tell us, Chad. I know. Jim Riggleman's trying to, to uh, earn the job for next year, and he thinks that uh, the vets are give him, give him a better chance of uh, winning. That's my opinion. It's just Preston Tucker qualify as a vet here. He's like 27, though, right? Oh, Okay. I think I think he's I think he's twenty seven. I don't know, I barely know the guy. He had a good home run last night, man, and I was cheering for him. Uh, but uh, I, 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 that's what I think. I think Jim Riggleman is managing for his job, and the fact that this front office allows Jim Riggleman to manage for his job rather than do things that are going to improve the team for two thousand nineteen or give us more data for two thousand nineteen is inexcusable. Yeah, I mean, if you have an interim manager, I feel like every day the front office delivers the lineup and says, this is your lineup today. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you? Why would you give this guy any authority over the future of your uh, organization? Well, he does know when to call for a bunt, and the answer for when is always. Gosh. Especially when Billy Hamilton's on first base. You got Billy Hamilton on first base and one out, bunt him over. I'm about to get upset, Jason. I'm going to throw something. I mean, we're just talking via the interwebs, so you're not hitting me unless you've, unless you've got the kind of arm the Reds should be ignoring in favor of some grizzled veteran who's held together with sticky tape and glue. No, I did pitch one inning in uh, in Little League. Well, that's one morning that I pitched. Well, I hit three batters. <laughs> so I never pitched again. Okay, look, we've gone longer than I wanted to, and I, I want to get into Robert Stevenson and then into the uh, this fantastic interview with Jeff Facero that I really do think that all of you are going to enjoy because he has some uh, candid comments about not just Robert Stevenson, 
but about uh, Cody Reed and uh, Jose Lopez and uh, Brandon Finnegan. I just and some other guys. But let's talk about Robert Stevenson quickly. Stevenson, I advocated for a long time for the Reds to bring him up, and the Reds did not bring him up for some reason. And I'm thinking, why are you letting Homer Bailey pitch instead of Stevenson? Well, Stevenson promptly comes up and says, "Eh, whatever. I got this master plan where I can still walk guys and still be good." I'm going to be the only pitcher in baseball history that can walk a bunch of guys and still be good. Well, I mean, in fairness, it has happened before. Randy Johnson? There's this guy, Nolan Ryan, you might have heard of, who walked a ton of guys. But, you know, unfortunately, Robert Stevenson is not Nolan Ryan, nor is he, as you pointed out, Randy Johnson. No. So uh, so Stevenson makes that comment. Then he goes back out in his next outing, and Riggleman pulls him in the second inning. He's already walked four guys, and Riggleman just pulls him he threw 57 pitches and 31 of those were balls yep uh yeah your master plan is not working and then after the game he said uh he said i had a really hard time gripping the ball as much as i don't want to give an excuse that's the god's honest truth i had a really hard time gripping the ball what do you think about robert stevenson well, that's a direct question. Uh, I think Robert Stevenson has had enough chances at this point that what happens to him is his fault. I don't think you can blame the Reds at this point. 6-0 and with a 1.23 ERA over his last seven starts in AAA. That's why I was saying get this guy up. Yeah, I was too. And you will, will hear, I don't want to give it away, but, but um, Jeff Passero has some fairly illuminating comments regarding um, Stevenson in the interview. Um where it might make it a little bit clear what the difference between, other than you know the higher quality of hitters, between his minor league and major league performances these last couple of starts has been. Yeah, it was it was extremely candid about what he, the way he has uh, tried to approach the handling of Stevenson and the advice he's given to Stevenson, and uh, maybe some of his frustrations and uh, Stevenson's mental makeup. It's fascinating. Yeah, we don't want to give too much of it away, but uh, you talked to him there at uh, uh, Slugger Field, Louisville Slugger Field, right? Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, I think you talked to him right after his first start in the big leagues. Is that right? It was immediately, at, like literally immediately after. The game had just ended. I got there because the, the Bats had a night game that night, and I got there early to do some interviews. And, and Facero, I mean, it was right after the, uh, right after Stevenson's start. And can we say how much we appreciate the Bats for giving, uh, giving Red Leg Nation and Jason specifically, uh, you know, the chance to talk to some of these guys? The bats are a very cooperative organization. We definitely uh, appreciate appreciate that. And um, they're the best. Yeah. yeah, yep. They're in Louisville, Kentucky. They are. Yeah, yeah. They're they're great. So, um, I guess let's go ahead. Anything else you want to say? Because yeah, this is your interview, and it was uh, it's it's a you know about fifteen minutes or so, and uh, it's kind of wide ranging, uh, in, in a sense. It's it's focused on the pitchers at Louisville and some at Cincinnati. But anything else you want to say to sort of set this set this up? Um, I think it is interesting. I think a, a couple of people, you know, obviously I think people are going to be listening for comments on Stevenson and Cody Reed, but, um, and, and there yeah. are some, yes. And there are some, uh, I also think he has some pretty interesting comments on Amir Garrett. They're fairly brief, but if you he, I think he says a lot in them, if you pay attention and also I just find it interesting and you can listen for this, what he has to say about Justin Nicolino. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of towards the end that it's, it's yeah. very interesting. And I, I was, uh, it surprised me actually a little bit, and and the stuff about Amir Garrett you just said really surprised me. 
Yeah. It's sort of opposite to uh to the way I've been thinking about the the Amir, the Amir Garrett situation. So um I tell you what, Jason, let's go ahead and let's uh let's play this uh, interview and then we'll be we'll be back after that. To start off, can you first just um go into your background uh, as a player and then as in the Reds organization? Uh, I played 22 total years, counting minor leagues and major leagues, 16 up in the big leagues. Um, you know, primarily Seattle and Montreal. You know, like the last couple of years, have left arm, will travel just to keep playing. Um, you know, I, when I retired, I set out for about two and a half years. Couldn't figure out what I wanted to do, so I got back into coaching. Started with the Cubs. I've been here with the Reds for this is my fifth year. And this is your second year of bats pitching coach, right? Uh, when this year's over, it'll be two and a half years. Right. I took, took over, over when, when Teddy went yeah. up to the big leagues. Um, the last couple of years, obviously, there have been a lot of pitchers kind of coming back and forth between Cincinnati and Louisville trying to kind of establish themselves within the rotation. Um, Drawing on both that you can draw on both your experiences as a player, but you know, in terms of how you've seen as a coach, uh, what's that experience like, and what, in, in a general sense, I'll ask you about specific players in a minute. I mean, you you get to the big leagues, that's the tough, you know. And if you don't perform, they're going to send you back down, especially if you're a young kid. Uh, so, I mean. The last couple of years, guys have had the numbers down here, but they've gone up there and they haven't put the numbers up here, up there. So they come back down here for more seasoning. And eventually, you hope your core group is the ones that finally figure it out. Sometimes they're not in the right position. Sometimes they need to be moved to different positions to understand things. Um, you know, but it's it's tough up there, and you know, sometimes the middle aspect gets them down. And they come back down here. You know, even Teddy had to go through. You got to deal with the mentality, their mental part of the game. They think, well, I don't understand why I'm back down here. I mean, it wasn't like I was doing it. Well, if you look at your numbers, yes, you were doing bad. And you don't see that. Okay. So to move on to some individual players now, um, the most relevant one today is probably Robert Stevenson, um, who obviously has been up and down a lot. Um, had a little bit of success in Cincinnati at the end of the season last year. Came out kind of rough in Louisville this year, but lately had a really excellent stretch um, for you all before going up Cincinnati. Had a pretty mediocre start today, generously. Um, what can you say about him? What changes, if any, have you seen? Why suddenly the change in performance down here and so on? Uh, down here he's grown up. Um, you know, he's he got focused on the stuff we've been working on and he was doing the stuff that we were working on the only thing that he really hasn't accomplished that we really want to accomplish was like if you watch the game today he didn't use his fastball i made him use it down here you know i say i know his sliders is number one pitch but you still got he still has to use his fastball and i don't know where he lost his confidence in his fastball but he lost it somebody throws the ball he's i mean he came out of high school throwing the ball 100 miles an hour now he's might hit 97 once in a while, but for me, he was pitching 93 to 96. You know, he's averaging basically 93, 94 every time he goes out there. I keep telling you, that's a good enough fastball survival in the big leagues. And that's what he's got to overcome 
to make that jump. So you think he, you're saying that you feel like he doesn't maybe have as much confidence in it because he doesn't have quite the velocity that he used to have? I think that's part of it, and I don't think, and for me, he's never had great command, but he does control it better than he thinks he does. He doesn't think he controls it enough, and that's, you know, there's, he's got a lot of doubt with his fastball, and that's one of the things I've been trying to get him over and over with, you know, but, I mean, his numbers dictate that he should have the opportunity to be in the big leagues right now and trying to figure out how to do it there. Um, next person on the list to talk about is Cody Reed, who's kind of had the struggles that Stevenson's had, but to the extreme. Um, a couple of years ago, he was fantastic down here. Yeah. Got a shot. It went, obviously, very poorly. But lately, he's also started to put up some pretty good numbers for yeah. you all. I mean, his numbers would be a lot better, but he gets into that seventh and eighth inning, and he'll end up throwing up a three spot or a four spot. You know, and if you look what he's done over the course of six innings of the games, he's been pretty solid the whole time he's been down here. I mean, there's been a couple games that haven't been great, but he's made some changes. He's under, starting to understand that his slider has to be overplayed. If you watch his films from the big leagues, his slider was never overplayed. Don't take long for big league hitters to eliminate pitches. Once they eliminate them, they're sitting on the one. Um, Reed, I've talked to him a few times and, and in other interviews also, has been, at least last year, he was pretty clear about, uh, pretty open about the fact that he felt like he was maybe thinking too much at times. Is that something that you saw yeah. with him getting in he, his own head too much? He thinks a little too much, and I've also told him that he's like Rob. He's got good fastball, doesn't have great command of it. But it's good enough to throw it over the plate. It doesn't have to be spot on every time. And I tell you, if you've watched big league games, not everybody's spot on anyway. And seven starts ago, I finally just jumped his, jumped him in the bullpen. I said, quit trying to hit spots. Your fastball moves, you throw the ball 92 to 97, throw it over the plate and make him hit it. And it's going to make your slider better. It's going to make him chase it when it is out of the zone, when you're not throwing for a strike. He's going to make your change up effective. And basically that's what he's done. He has a where he's just thrown to a general area of the glove where the glove's at. He's not trying to fucking dot the middle of the glove. Okay. Um, Molly is back down here now. After yeah. He, he really just kind of touched Louisville just for a little bit last year yeah, before he went up to Cincinnati. Yeah, and hasn't really been back down since. Struggled a little bit with the Reds the, basically the last month or so. Came back down here. What is your goal for him right now? Um, what's he looking at working on? Uh, get his fastball command back, because that's what they told me he's lost. Uh, getting his slider a little bit better. And Danny, I guess, had him working on a different changeup that we're going to try and work on right now while he's down here. I think he's got four to five starts left down here. And my goal is to have him back in shape and ready to go. September the call up so he can go back up there and perform like I've seen him perform in the past. Um, can you talk about um, Lopez a little bit, just kind of in general? Lopez, um, his stuff's not anywhere near the other three guys that we just talked about. He's got to be spot on. He's got his mechanics got to stay in line. He gets out of line. He has trouble putting the better hitters away. Um, he's a very hard worker. Uh, he does he does have command and control with his arm. 
learning year this year for him. Found out it's a little harder to each level you move up. And, you know, you don't want to go from this level to the next level. He's going to have to be more sound in his delivery. He gets out of it a little bit more. And I think, you know, he's not going to light up radar guns. I mean, unfortunately, that holds a lot of guys back. But I've seen him pitch really good games when he's stayed with his mechanics and does that. And he hits spots with his fastball like Tyler does when Tyler's on. But, you know, he's at 89 to 93 pretty much. And nowadays they don't seem like that think that's good enough. But when, my opinion, when you pitched, we can that was pitch, pretty hard. Yeah. You know, I was above the average so when I threw. But it's, it's still hard enough if you right. pitch. You know, you can't just be a guy, I'm going to go out there and blow you away and just throw the ball 90 miles an hour because they can hit that. Even the guys that throw 100 miles an hour throw hard. If they're behind, that get hit, gets hit too. Um, on, on Lopez, I've been here when he's gotten knocked around pretty good, and I've been here when he's had some good starts. Um, my observation, and this is thrown out there so you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, is um, when he's on, it seems to me at least like he gets a whole lot of weak contact. Yeah. I mean, when he's on, he's in his spots. They don't get good swings because he's very good at moving the ball in and out. I think I've seen more pop-ups in his starts than yeah, anybody else. because he gets in on their hands and jams them. Because with the lefties, he's got the fastball in and a cutter. So left-handers, he gets a lot of pop-ups off of them. And he's not afraid to ride it up and in on a right-hander. Um, so, I mean, you've said you've seen him good and bad. I've seen it all, too. Um, but he will compete and he will battle and he'll give you everything even if he doesn't have his good stuff just like last night he didn't have his good stuff he threw 100 pitches in five innings and two guys one guy in the lineup i think probably by himself saw 20 pitches off of him i mean that's that's telling me his stuff's not real crisp that night because if it is Guys, either going to hit it weakly on the ground, or he's going to pop it up, or swing and miss. Instead of just fouling it off, or yeah, that it's right. just not quite good enough. There's not enough life in the zone. Where the game before, he pitched great. He got through the ball, delivery was solid, and the life on the zone was there. And you saw the difference. Two games ago, he struck out ten guys. Last night, he strikes out four. Throws 100 pitches in five innings, where he pitched like seven innings and threw like 90 pitches. So. Um. Somebody who hasn't been down here this year, but who I know you you have to have seen and worked with, is Amir Garrett. And um, he's having a good year this year, obviously. Uh, and the Reds seem pretty committed to him as a relief pitcher, which I think caught quite a few people off guard this year. What's your opinion on that? Is relief the right place for him? Does he have the potential to be a starting pitcher like he was down here? No, I think they I think they got him in a good spot. I think he's I think he's a relief pitcher. Um, I think the short stints, the one innings, maybe two innings, tops, is perfect for him. I don't think after having him and seeing him play, I mean, competitive-wise, that's basically what gets him through games. I think as a starter, hitter seeing him two and three times in a game, they got to figure him out. But when it's one at bat, one inning or whatever, and he can let it go and his velocity is harder out of the pen than it is as a starter. I think that's where he belongs. Um, speaking of making that transition, Brandon Finnegan is down here yes. trying to make it right now. Uh, he's been struggling for you all. Um, 
talk about that and especially talk about, you know, I guess the difficulty of someone. He's had success in the majors. Yeah. And now he's down here almost kind of not quite starting over, but not far off of it either. Um, so talk about that a little I mean, bit. He came out of college, went right to the World Series with Kansas City, had great success with them. Came over here, had good success first year or so, and then a couple injuries here and there. And he hasn't got back to where he was. And I think right now, coming out of the bullpen, he's showing flashes of the old stuff. The velocity's starting to come back. Um, I mean, we keep working. I keep doing bullpen sessions with him, giving him a couple days off before he has to pitch, just so we can keep doing the right kind of work to get him going. Um, you know, he came down mentally down. Didn't understand why he was down, but it's another one of those things. Look at the numbers. What, what dictates it should be up there and what tells you that you shouldn't. So, I mean, I see the stuff in there. I mean, it's just got to get consistent again. The consistency hasn't been there. He'll throw one good inning, two days out of three, and then the next day it'll be terrible again. You know, and as a reliever, it's got to be almost eight or nine out of ten. You can't be two good ones, bad one, two good ones, bad one, bad one, two good one, and stuff like that. Because relievers don't last like that. Right. Um, just one last question. Who... Do you feel like if there's anybody down on the staff right now who is maybe a little bit underrated or who you, who you see the potential for them to, with one or two things, maybe kind of blossom into something that people aren't expecting yet? Uh, I mean, I would say Tapia is a reliever. And I would say Nicolino is a starter. The kid's got good stuff, he just hasn't hasn't put it together at a consistent rate as a starter. Tapia has done great in the bullpen as if he pitches a day, I give him a day off, he comes back the next day. But as a reliever, he's got to get over that hump where he can pitch back-to-back days and be just as good both days. Um, but those, I would say those two guys are undervalued and probably are two guys that could have very good careers in the big leagues if the right things happen Nic- for him. Nicolino is interesting because he's been around for a while, like bouncing around, and I don't think he's on. I mean, if you if you were to talk to people outside the organization, yeah, he's radar. not on anybody's radar. No. So what makes you say that about him? Because he's left-handed. He's average velocity for a left-hander. You know that. Yeah. Low to mid low to nineties. Um, has a plus changeup. When I saw him in Double A a couple of years ago, when he was with the Marlins and one of their top prospects, he had a hammer from hell. But he's lost that because he started tinkering with the slider, started tinkering with the cutter, and all of a sudden he lost. In my opinion, at that time, was the second best pitch, the curveball before the changeup. But now it's the other way around, and we've been trying to get the curveball back. He's shown good signs of it at times, but it hasn't been consistent enough yet. And he just gets ahead of guys and makes mistakes. And until he can correct that, he's going to be that guy that's marginal. But, I mean, stuff-wise, he's solid. You know, there used to be that thing. I don't, I don't feel like you hear it as much anymore as you used to about left-handers taking a little bit longer they to do? mature. Yeah. Um, is, is this a case like that where you I mean, feel what like... What is he, 26? Yeah, something okay, like that. Okay, so 26, I got to the big leagues when I was 28. Yeah. He pitched 16 years up there, so... 
you know, it's, you look at Tony Foster, so feel 32 when he got to the big leagues and got 10 years in. You know, just some things don't click right away, I guess, with left-handers. And, you know, generally, left-handers have never thrown as hard as right-handers in a hole. Yeah. But I can still give you quite a few left-handers to the ball pretty hard. So, maybe there is something that takes... Left-hander has to pitch more. Has to hit his spots a little bit better. Can't make that mistake. Or if he makes a mistake, he can't be a damaging mistake, you know. Right. Where, with Nicolino, he'll do it two or three times a game. In key situations, all of a sudden, he's given up four or five runs. And that's the one thing that he's got to get over. He's got to correct. Great. That's all I got. Um, I appreciate you taking the time with me. Sure. Thanks a lot. No problem. And we're back. Jason, great interview, man. Where did you learn your interviewing skills? Uh, at English teacher school, I guess, Chadwick. English teacher school. Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. I should have gone to English teacher school. <laughs> you went to law school. That's your problem, man. <laughs> Believe me. I've been complaining about that for years. Uh, no, but seriously, uh, those comments on Robert Stevenson, um, fascinating, eh? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, and, and fascinating and, and painfully obvious to Major League level, I think. It is, and I think Facero's absolutely right. I mean, he he's he's scared of that. We saw in his first start, he's scared of his fastball. He oh. can't locate it, but he's got. He has to use it to be successful. Yes, yes, yeah. You can't pitch in the major leagues if you never throw a fastball. And, you know, granted, major league hitters are a lot better than AAA hitters, but I can't believe the success that he had at AAA didn't open his eyes a little bit. Yeah, but when you insist on taking and and well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> who knows? I mean, I I don't understand why you wouldn't go. Oh, I did this and it worked. Let me keep doing it. But, yeah. Well, I'm rooting for him. I think the rich is still giving him a, a start every five days the rest of the year. But I'm I'm not advocating for that guy anymore. Yeah, I'm like I said at this point, he's had a lot of chances, and it's you know, it's I think it's. I think we have reached put up or shut up time. Uh, we we may also have reached a point where Amir Garrett's a reliever. Yeah, mm-hmm. we may have, and in a way, in it, you know, when you say uh, if he gets more than twice through the lineup, he's going to run into problems. That's, yeah. that's a relief pitcher. Yeah, that's a lot of guys, um, but. Uh, he can still be a, a dominant relief pitcher, and if that's yes. where we go, <laughs> this is no knock on Amir Garrett, who is, with the exception of kind of a few rough outings, been a really excellent addition to the bullpen this year. Sure, and you know it's it's not even a, a Neraldus Chapman situation where that's a guy that's just a generational talent in some ways, and I wanted to see him in the starting rotation. Garrett, I wanted to see him, but mm-hmm. I, but you know if a guy like Facero is saying he's a he's a reliever, you know that carries some weight with me. This is a guy that has some uh, experience, so. Anyway, good interview, Jason. Really appreciate that. Thank you, uh, Chad. You talked to Cody Reed recently, too, right? I did, and I will have something on him coming for Cincinnati Magazine that will be out shortly. Yeah, definitely be able to check that out uh, at Cincinnati Magazine. Now, listen, we're at redlegnation.com every day. been following the Reds since 2005 at that site, and uh, appreciate you going and checking us out and uh, talking, talking Reds baseball with all of us at redlegnation.com. Uh, this is the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast, and I, again, I, I'm constantly amazed that you guys keep uh, downloading this thing, but I do appreciate it, and I ask you to keep doing it. Um, you can find us at iTunes, uh, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Go look for us. Uh, you know, 
tell your friends about us. Uh, leave us a rating and a review, especially at iTunes, because it really helps people. Uh, we've been coming up uh, higher and higher in those search rankings, uh, and it's because you guys are leaving good comments and uh, giving us good reviews. So keep doing that. And as I always say, if you like us, talk about us. Tell your friends. And uh, if you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Jason Linden's on Twitter, at Jason Linden. That's a clever username you got there, Jace. I'm very clever, Chad. Yeah. I'm at Dotson C because I'm nearly illiterate. Uh, we're at RedLegNation.com. Uh, excuse me, at RedLegNation on Twitter, on Instagram, Snapchat, wherever you go. We're at RedLegNation. Um, at RedLegRadio if you want to follow the podcast specifically on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we're just uh, going to keep hanging out talking about the Reds baseball uh, team. Jason, what do you think about that idea? I'm skeptical. <laughs> no, that's a terrible question because right now they're struggling. Jason, love talking to you always, buddy. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Chad. For Jason Linden and Lisa Alberto Bonilla, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.